an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined today on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, I am happy to report that the NBA is officially back in our lives on a daily basis. How are you, good sir? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm I'm actually I've been very pleased, I think, with the the game so far i've been watching way too many i've i think i've only i think only i I have not watched two games that have played been played so far the wizards raptors from wednesday and i think the thunder jazz those are the only two games that i have not seen yet so i'm a complete psychopath um very excited to be here with you on um this wonderful friday morning and on today's show uh, we're going to open up the mailbag a little bit and dive into some what I'm calling too soon takeaways from the season's opening days. Uh, but first, a quick reminder to keep those emails coming in. They've been absolutely flawless. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. And uh, Chris, before we kind of talk about last night's slate of games, because I really want to dive in particularly to... Uh, the uh, the doubleheader on on Turner, which one game was really good, one game was was fun, I suppose, even though it was kind of a blowout. But um, I want to open up today's show with kind of a spicy topic, and that's the the top seventy five team, which was released in full this week and completed. I think the last twenty five players were named uh, last night, Thursday night. Um, 
I just have it on my mind right now. And, and we were asked to participate in a roundtable on SI.com with a bunch of questions about it that you can go uh, over to the site and read. We have our, our top snubs, cough, cough, Dwight Howard. We have our, our biggest surprises. We have a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the questions was, um, please rank your, your top five players of all time. And I have not done this in, a, in, a, in quite some time. I haven't really considered it. Um, and it's always fun to do. And so I asked you to just kind of give me your top five of all time without doing, you know, too much research. Just when I when the question is asked, I'm just curious what five players sort of sort of sprinkle in and are just so obvious to you and they need to be kind of addressed. So why don't you why don't we kick things off with that? Um just give me your top five, man. Like starting starting with five and, and working our way down. Well, I start with with Larry Bird, which I feel a little bit conflicted about that because it means I'm leaving out. No, no, little... that's a, that's a great start. That's a, that's a great start. Continue. Somehow, I'm not surprised <laughs> that you feel that way. But no, I mean, Larry Bird could do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't have the physical gifts or height advantage that somebody like Wilt did, but you know, was basically like essentially one of the first if not the first 50 40 90 guy really just as far as everything that he could do just the shooting ability the passing ability um being the engine of of those teams in in the 80s and really kind of giving the league the first set of real prestige that it had so I, i would put him five um i think i would go with magic at four for a lot of the same reasons but really mm-hmm. you know to that point in time somebody something we really hadn't seen at his size um, and just, you know, maybe the, the greatest passer of all time in the sport. Um, so I'd put him at four and, you know, obviously another engine for several other teams. And, and also the fact that he would have played a lot longer had it not been for, for something that I think um, we just didn't have any idea what it was at the time. And so there's that. Sure. Um, so I'd put Kareem at three. Uh, you could make a very a pretty good argument, like maybe the most dominant player in like really more modern history um just a shot that you couldn't touch that still is pretty unblockable you know when people use it now and the fact that he'd mastered that shot um you know Giannis will have something to say about it but maybe the best player you know within two franchises as opposed to just one um and you know somebody else that I guess you could say that for um is is LeBron um so, you know, I, I'm not sure if, if this is completely in order. I'm not sure where I really have Braun yet, if, if he's a clear two or if he's one for some people, mm-hmm. if he'll finish one, if Kareem maybe deserves more conversation in that subject as far as being one or two. For some people, I, you know, I'd probably have MJ as my number one. But LeBron, I think it's clear, you know, regardless of whether you think he's the best player of all time, some people would say, oh, he's not even in my top five, which I would not understand, but... I think he deserves to be in there probably somewhere in the top three for sure. And it should be a con- consensus, I think. Um, just at his, the peak of his game, offense, defense, you know, watching. I still remember watching him just lock down Derrick Rose in a, in a conference finals that I thought that the Bulls could win or should win. And mm-hmm. just watching him do that, which granted a height advantage and everything, but just the athleticism that he had at his peak was just scary. And the fact that he's found ways to get better without that athleticism anymore which is still very good for somebody that is as old as he is. So I think Braun and just the, the longevity of his career and how long he went without really being seriously hurt. Um, and then I think Michael, you know, I just think 
um, being smooth shouldn't matter necessarily, but I mean, the guy was just very smooth. Um, so much of what you see from a lot of the great players, you know, you look at Kobe, people pattern their whole careers after the guy or tried to, mm-hmm. um, but just at the peak of his game, how dominant he was or could be on defense. I mean, how dominant he was on offense, even when he was 40, 41 playing for a shit team. Um, how, you know, people are like, oh man, that's like, don't, you can't watch that. That's like Godfather three. Uh, I mean, at 41, <laughs> it, it tells you like, we're still talking about LeBron and how he slowed down, um, a little bit and he doesn't have the same athleticism. Okay. Michael was doing that and still was essentially the best scorer on his team by that point. Um, in his forties after having taken time away from basketball, um, you know, I'm not sure if they would have won eight titles had he, had he not retired the first time. Uh, right. you know, maybe they could have won another one after that last year, but I think it's starting to show a little bit that maybe that would have been difficult because of all the infighting that there was and everything, but, uh, just an incredible player. I don't think there's much debate that he should either be one or two in my mind. He's still one for right now. The, uh, yeah, not to spoil everything, but I had LeBron two and MJ one as well. And I guess my, my opinion on that is I'm just waiting for LeBron to retire and then I'll probably consider him the greatest. But for right now, I don't even know what the logic is there. But right now, I just, I'm just i just going to have MJ one. I mean, I was looking at MJ's um, uh, just like career scoring average in the playoffs. It's like 33 points something points. Career scoring average in the playoffs. Like, what are we even doing? Um, so that's great. And But like when we just look at – I think that ultimately this conversation will be – um, career versus peak, and that has been discussed ad nauseum. But like LeBron's going to have all the records by the time he retires. It's just going to be really, really difficult to just build the case against him. He obviously thinks he's the greatest player of all time. He said that after the block um, when they won the title in 2016. So it's just a fun what have you. But uh, my uh, five through three, and this is really just off the dome, Chris. Um, I just wrote down the name, the, these names, and I didn't really do too much deliberation internally. Uh, number five is uh, Tim Duncan for me. Uh, just kind of just like he's just so supremely underrated. He's got five titles, two MVPs, 15 All-Star appearances, 15 All-NBA appearances, um, was first team All NBA at like 35 or 36 years old. Just he's just an iconic figure, and so I just kind of want to like give him his due. I never really see his name all the way up to five, but the career that he had was—it's just like there's how many players have had better careers than Tim Duncan? I can't name a bunch. Uh, number four for me is Kareem for all the reasons you said. It's just obvious. Uh, I might be shorting him a little bit. And people who have Kareem number one, honestly, I'm fine with that opinion. Uh, he can be anywhere. He's the all-time leader in scoring. Uh, one of the few who had a better career <laughs> than Tim Duncan. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Kareem. Number three, I'm, I'm got to go with Bill Russell, who uh, for my entire childhood was either one or two um obviously growing up in boston it was just like that was what it was but he's the greatest winner in the history of the sport and ever since kind of advanced analytics have come along 
Um, his case has been denigrated because of the offensive, you know, his inability. I think he's like a 43% shooter for his career in the postseason. And that's, that's not that great, but 111 titles was the backbone defensively of all those title teams and uh, changed the game and was a part of, you know, you talk about the magic bird rivalry, like the Russell Chamberlain rivalries um, were just as iconic for their own time. Uh, And then, yeah, number two, LeBron, number one, MJ. So that was um, a great joy. Uh, Please send us your top fives everyone who's listening email that in openfloormail at gmail.com openfloormail at gmail.com i'm just fascinated by it right now with all this talk about players from the past and um i think everybody should have their own top five i think it's like unique to your own opinion and your own views and apologies to magic apologies to bird apologies to there's like too many for me to even rattle off right now i'm just going with the guys that you said because they're at the top my shout out to, to wilt Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Uh but okay, let's 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 move on now. Um let's talk about last night's games, Chris. Uh they were Pretty fun, as I said, especially the Clippers, uh, Clippers Warriors. And I saw you, uh, uh, you retweet the um, Paul George. Uh, the, 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 the mic picked up Paul George. Paul George can't, trash. He just cannot <laughs> avoid stepping in it every time, bro. Every time, like there uh, at this point. So great. I mean, it's it's like Urkel with the whole like, did I do that? Like that is that is literally Paul George. Every time he says something, somebody sticks a shot in his face. Every time, Brett. 
Oh man, he, yeah, that was that was great. Paul George played like a fantastic game too. Um, he did and uh, was plus three when he was on the floor, and uh, you know, twenty nine points, eleven boards, six assists. Good game from him. But let's start real quick with the first one. It was uh, Luca versus Trey. That's what it was billed as. Um, and it was just like a beat down. I mean, I, I personally think that the Hawks are just a much better team. I'm not trying to take too much away from one game, but I do think that the Hawks are better coming into this season than the Mavs. The Mavs have a lot to work through. They have a new head coach and it just, you know, when Luca doesn't have it going like in peak dominant, I'm going to drop 40. I'm going to get to my step back whenever I want. I'm going to carve you up in the paint. When he doesn't have that going for like 36 to 40 minutes, uh, this team could struggle a little bit. KP struggled quite a bit. So w- w- just what were your thoughts on that first game? And did anything kind of stand out to you? The Mavericks look like ass. They, yeah. they like, <laughs> I mean, like, I was being I, generous. Yes, you were. And I was like, you could just say it, man. Um, they look like ass. And, and the truth is like, and I, and it was weird. Cause I saw it really early in the game too. Like, Jason Kidd does this thing when he takes over new jobs where, you know, you want to you, you build credibility with your players and you want to build a kinship with your players, so you talk them up. Um, like, when, when he was talking up KP and, you know, this is like the return of the unicorn sort of thing, and, and, and you know, Lucas played into it as well. Um, I was watching the first and the second quarter. I'm like, he's taking the exact – I mean, granted, I don't expect him to be a completely new player, but – He's taking the same shots. And I tweeted about this last night during the game. And, you know, because I used to cover the Knicks, I think I have a lot of people that still follow me that, you know, that dislike KP or kind of hate KP because of how everything ended in New York. And so I tweeted something along the lines of, this guy's shot selection is exactly the same as it was a long time ago, where it was flawed. And I I remember seeing it kind of look bad and worse to me right after the Knicks uh, traded Carmelo. Because all of a sudden, KP went from being able to take like spot-up looks to him having to be the, the central part of their offense and taking kind of hero ball-type shots, which the guy is like seven foot nineteen. You don't want him taking <laughs> those sorts of shots if he doesn't have to. You would hope that he's tall enough to just shoot directly over people, but he does a lot of these like kind of these moves that look nice. And that they're impressive for someone of his size size to be kind of having enough nimble ability to get the shots off. But they're really, really, really hard shots. And that was what I pointed out. I wrote a story a couple of years ago about the fact that his shot quality uh, went from being like kind of bad to really, really bad and really, really tough mm-hmm. um, immediately after the Knicks traded Carmelo. And I think the headline on our story was, Chris Depp's Porzingis' shot selection has turned into Carmelo Anthony's. Like, when they ended up trading Carmelo, he just basically became Carmelo as far as what sorts of shots he was taking. And people were like, oh, well, he's much taller. It doesn't matter. And I wrote in that story that he was getting more of his mid-range shots blocked than anybody else in the league at a higher percentage of his mid-range shots, even though he's tall as hell. He's at the time, was the tallest player in the league. So I, I just don't understand why he's still taking those shots. You need him to get easier shots, but he makes just enough of those tough ones where 
I think it builds enough confidence for him to keep taking them, but they're not helpful. And so I said that during the game. I tweeted, man, these shots are really bad. They're really mm-hmm. bad, ugly shots. And then after the game, Jason Kidd says, we were just missing shots. That's all it was. And then after the game, Tim McMahon from ESPN, shout out to Tim, tweeted that this basically would have been one of the worst five or six games of all of last season in terms of shot quality for the Mavericks. So it's just one game. I understand that. But the thing that I was bothered by during the offseason with Dallas is that they tweaked their roster a little bit. They always do. But they very rarely add anybody that creates shots to this team. Uh, And that's kind of what they need. It's great to have shooters, obviously, because it in some ways maximizes Luka. But so does getting a damn creator, too. Because creators will play other people open. Creators will take some of the burden off Luka. But creators will also make up for what KP apparently is not going to do, which is to, to, you know, make, get some easier shots, get into the paint, and create some stuff where he's not doing these kind of half turnaround, step back, mid range, you know, combo. He made one of them. One of them went in. (laughs) Yeah. Hooray, you know, but it's just, it's like I watch them and, and, I get that they can score with anybody when they're really humming, and I get that KP has that breakout, I would say, once or twice a year where he's got three or four games in a row where he really has it going. But it has to be more often than that, unless he saves all those for the playoffs. The team just looks deficient to me. And, I, again, one game, Atlanta's really good. Atlanta might have one of the two or three best guys in the league to guard Luka. So we should say that, too. Props to Atlanta. They look fantastic. Uh Cam Reddish looked fantastic last night. And if he takes that sort of leap, which he was showing in the playoffs last year, Atlanta's going to be scary, scary, scary. So complete props to them. I don't want it to just be a beatdown of the Mavs, but this is a beatdown of the Mavs too. Even if Atlanta's better, they just looked like ass last night. And um, I've said that three times now, but they really looked like ass. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I just also, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit more positive by solely talking about the Hawks for a minute. Um, you know, <laughs> that's not even being more positive about the Mavs. It's just being more positive about the Hawks because <laughs> you don't have a rebuttal for how bad the Mavs looked last night. <laughs> no, I don't. I expected a little bit more out of Luca. Um, you know, Reggie Bullock like didn't play. I mean, he played like 15 minutes. That was like their big free agency addition. Um, right. Sterling Brown played like 10 minutes. I want to say something like that. Uh, you know, if you gotta, I just think like if you're going up against a team that just wants to be as versatile as um, the Hawks are, you have to play small more and. Again, this is just like one game, so whatever. But just seeing KP at the four for a majority of the time, seeing him, um, you know, besides Dwight Powell and, uh, you know, Maxi Kleber, there were some, obviously they have some experience together from last year. They've got pretty good chemistry. But I, I, I'm i with you fundamentally with them and the need for more shot creation. And Jalen Brunson is awesome, but he's Jalen Brunson. You know what I mean? Like... They need more out of that. That's why I just like that fake Kyrie for KP trade. Like they need, they don't need like a Kyrie type. They but they do need someone who can like handle the ball, make plays for other people a little bit more consistently than just Luca. Um, but that DeAndre Hunter block on KP was <sighs> damn. Like Hunter, I, like is, he looks completely <laughs> out of the play. It reminds me of like when I would watch Michigan. When I was, you know, a kid, uh, so I guess like nine, ten years old, 
And Charles Woodson would just be – he'd come from out of nowhere and make these interceptions. He has one where he stalks the sideline and he makes an interception with one hand on the sideline and keeps his feet in bounds against Michigan State. And I just remember it was like, where the hell did this dude come from? And DeAndre Hunter was essentially out of that play last night. And it is so hard to – you know, the rearview contest has become a bigger thing in the NBA now. But when you look at how far he had to kind of go and how far around the screen he had to go – to get that block that dude is just nasty and i you know it's weird because i i've kind of been back and forth on atlanta i feel like people are a little bit too high on them even though i i totally realize they're getting there no we we had this disagreement i totally get that they're getting a bunch of people back from injury or maybe not back but guys that they didn't have as much last year that should be there this year if they don't get hurt and obviously that's the big one is deandre hunter um and I, you know, what I've been saying is just I think that there, there's almost too much talent in the rotation. It sounds backwards and counterintuitive, but just like how do you make all those guys work without anybody's ego getting in the way? How do you make the right decisions and push the right buttons to kind of maximize everybody? Um, yep. And also the idea that we're all thinking that um, everything's linear and that guys will just, you know, because they're young – They'll get better this year, and they'll all get better this year at the exact same time, which may not happen. I think certain guys will regress. But if last night was any indication, some of what I was saying could be true, and they still could be really great. Just just having Hunter back alone could do that. And uh, Welcome back, DeAndre Hunter, because he looked great. Yeah, and, and like I, I said, nat- Reddish was insane. Yeah, I have a natural inclination to be optimistic just in general about situations like this one. Um and them kind of figuring it out and people sacrificing and like i don't know maybe i am also feeling that way because i went down to atlanta and like point blank asked a vast majority of the key players who'd be affected by this if not all of them just how they would they anticipate the sacrifice and i felt like i was getting honest answers um which isn't to say it's all rosy and we're all going to sacrifice. It's like this conscious knowledge of an awareness of, um, yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough, but like we all want to win and we all tasted last season together and we all like each other. We like being around each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I like Nick's man Excel's answer to your question a lot more than theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, that Nick Van Exel interview was amazing, and I had so many more Nick Van Exel quotes that got cut, I unfortunately. Um, but one thing John Collins told me that did not make the piece was it's really hard to catch a rhythm when you're on a team like that where so many mouths need to get fed. And one of the things that he he did during last year's playoff run to kind of bounce back from that when he didn't have a shot going was just throw his body around and impact winning in different ways and i mean last night he was super efficient he was getting his shot a little bit but like he doesn't he's able to impact the game without um his number being called in such like really powerful ways and i don't know if cam reddish can do the same thing but i really liked how nate mcmillan was putting cam red like when cam reddish started to go off i think he was on the floor with like really no one else who is a good option like trey was on the bench collins was on the bench hunter was on the bench um it was like him i want to say like gorgie jang solomon hill delon wright um kevin hurt like it was an opportunity for for cam reddish to kind of show what he can do and i 
it's going to be really hard for Nate McMillan to keep that up for an entire season. And Gallo did not play last night either. So, or Lou Williams. So there will be sacrifice necessary. Um, Trey was a little interesting. He kind of started slow and then got it going and put on the speed burst. And um, I don't know when he, when he, when he's a blur and he's just leaning on the floater, it's a little worrisome, but he kind of, got into the rhythm of the game and was able to get some of those lobs to JC and to Clint Capella and um, get to the foul line a little bit. I'm not too worried about Trey, but I thought that that was just something to keep an eye on. But overall, I, I, I like love the Hawks uh, so much. And I think they're such a fascinating team. Uh, We haven't even mentioned bogey bogey shot. Like, I don't even know, 45% after the all-star break from three. He's amazing. So I, I, I like this team quite a bit and i think we both are right now down on dallas just a little bit and they have a lot to figure out hard to be up on them right now i'll I'll tell you (laughs) anyway i've said my piece on them so i'll let it go okay let's let's jump to the the other game last night which was a lot closer could have gone either way and was just an aesthetic joy i think like watching steph curry um, I'll set the table a little bit better. Uh, Golden State Warriors played the Los Angeles Clippers. Golden State won. Game went down to basically the last possession. Um, Steph Curry just went off and was scintillating. Um, and when he does that, when he's just like, you know, he hit eight threes, finished with 45 points, um, had like two absolute daggers in the game's last two minutes from way outside. Um, and one of them was the one that you, re- you, you, you quote tweeted uh, that Paul George just summoned for some reason, telling Steph Curry to hit it from the logo. And Steph Curry responded by hitting one from the logo. Uh, but that game was a lot of fun. Just what were your, uh, what were your thoughts on that when you were watching it unfold? My first one is, Oh my God, this game is on so late at night. I'm tired. Um, I, yeah. Amen but, to that. <laughs> I mean, like I was, and I think in particular because the games before that had been pretty bad. Um, the only other game on last night was, um, heat bucks, heat. bucks, which was like even, even worse than the Dallas Hawks game. Um, so I was like, man, you know, I was thinking maybe I should just call it a night cause it's, I'm sleepy. I can watch the game in the morning. Maybe I'm glad I stayed awake for it. I mean, it was it was everything the other games were not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Steph it, right at the beginning of the game just went supernova for what was it? Did he have 25 in the first quarter? Um, so I believe I mean, so. It was pretty great just to see that. Like it's, I've said it before. Watching Steph get hot in a game, uh, it makes me more. I enjoy watching that more than seeing him and Clay and, you know, him and Durant and everybody else. Now, obviously, I want to see Clay back healthy, so I don't mean to take anything away from that. But just it, when, when Steph kind of has to do it, it's always more fun to me. Um, and on some level, if you had to kind of bet when Steph was going to get it going for a game like that, last night would have been a really smart bet based on how poorly he shot in the first game oh, yeah. of the season against the Lakers. I mean, it was kind of the polar opposite of that so it was really cool to see i was really frustrated to see him do it in those uniforms that were ugly and that court which to me was <laughs> ugly but um amazing to watch it uh it's been fun to watch the warriors you know I, I i think they're probably somewhere in between you know or not in between but i think they're they're probably not this i don't think they're gonna be this compelling all the time uh 
I think that we're still have to see whether the Clippers are good. We still have to see how good the Lakers are, which, um, you know, they may not be great. Um, the Clippers may not be great. And so, you know, it's impressive that the Warriors eked out wins in both. But we have to see. You know, I, I think Steph will be great. But we have to see how everything else comes along. We're going to talk about the Lakers in a second. Um, that's going to be a very fun conversation. Um, but first, I want to talk about the the other side of the coin, and that's the Clippers. I was really impressed by the Clippers. I wrote about them yesterday. I'm, you did. That's Great another, story. Another, thank you very much. That's another team I'm... I'm I think higher on than a lot of people and even without without Kawhi Leonard who is like one of my favorite players and would have been top five for me in our top 100 if he were healthy just coming off just a peak Kawhi Leonard postseason run before he partially tore his ACL when I look at them it's like there's a lot of teams in the west that are kind of in that um that are on that level where they have like one top 10 player or borderline top 10 player and then just a really capable supporting cast or a flawed supporting cast and i'll put the mavs in that category i'll put denver right now without jamal murray absolutely uh portland is in that category right now for me even though i watched their loss against the kings and that was um not pretty questionable no no it wasn't um but, uh, but yeah, so when I look at the Clippers, I'm like, okay, they have Paul George still. He's amazing. He just is, um, even though he opens his mouth sometimes and says some things that are very comical that come back to bite <laughs> He's really the amazing at that. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's got a knack for timing like no other. But I just look at the rest of the roster and I just, I, I like, I love it. Like, I love Terrence Mann. Uh, his defense on Steph Curry last night was as good as you can guard Steph Curry, straight up. Like, there's, it was incredible. Um, uh, I'm, I'm an optimist about Justice Winslow, who didn't really play last night and wasn't really that effective, but was able to, um, in his second stint, Ty Lue was like, all right, we're playing Justice Winslow at the five. And that kind of combines it where it's like, they have a coach who recognizes everyone's strengths everyone's weaknesses and isn't afraid to experiment isn't afraid to tinker um isn't afraid to be bold going like super super small um early in a ball game and just switch everything even with someone like luke Kennard on the court and luke Kennard finished plus 19 i like luke Kennard too i think more than a lot of people um but I'm also an optimist about Eric Bledsoe this season, uh, which I'd never thought I would say. And he played really good in that in just the first game. Um, but it's just like they have a ton of shooting. They have depth at every position. And this is all without Kawhi. They have depth at every position, a lot of shooting, playmakers, um, length, intelligence, experience. Uh, I feel like coming off that postseason run without Kawhi, post him going down, when they came back, they beat the Jazz in six um they really competed with phoenix and lost two of those games by a combined five points including like one of the most ridiculous endings the i I already forget what the nickname was for the eight and lob but um probably could have won that one um and they're just like a really good basketball team and i don't know i feel like they're built for the regular season as well um Nick Batum, I don't believe he played a second last night uh, either. Serge Ibaka obviously didn't play, so they're just they're they're kind of a nasty team. And uh, I don't know. I thought that they were going to win last night's game. To be honest with you, even though they didn't, it doesn't really change how I feel about them. But just what oh, are your no. what are your what are your thoughts on on the Clippers, real quick? Yeah, no, I mean that, that game didn't 
change anything about them for me. I think I'm curious about them. It's probably like the word I would use uh, for yeah. all the reasons you just laid out. I could see them basically overachieving again, which is kind of what they did, but also speaks to how well their roster seems to flow. You know, it takes them to a new level when Kawhi's there, but they obviously can win at a high level without him there. I also think they're 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 vulnerable in the sense that if anything happens to Paul George, you don't feel good about them anymore. Um, and you know, and like you said, with other teams in those tiers as well, like if Dame got hurt, we wouldn't think yeah. much of Portland. If Jokic got hurt, then Denver's days are numbered as well. So I, I get that part of it. It's not to diminish anything about the Clippers. Um, I think the regular season conversation on them is probably a little bit different for me than what the postseason one would be. Like someone like Eric Bledsoe, I, I think I'm prone not to really trust him in the playoffs. That Fair. said, you also have Reggie Jackson, uh, who you know did step up for them in the playoffs. I think. Um, depending on how he looks during the regular season and how Bledsoe performs during the regular season, um, I'd probably have a little bit more faith in them. Like if Reggie's going to play like he did last year, um, that's fine. And that's something that I think would be to their credit. Uh, you know, and Zubach is a really good matchup for a lot of these teams that have really good centers too. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone that you don't have to have on the floor, but when you have him on the floor, can certainly hold his own and win that matchup a lot of times. So, yeah, I wasn't totally stunned that they, you know, I think that they – probably have a slightly better sense of who they are and what they are right now than the Warriors will or maybe the Warriors do or that the Warriors will because I think it'll probably take time to kind of get Clay back in the mix when they get him. I mean obviously the Warriors need that I think to be a real threat in the West. Um I do think the Warriors will benefit a little bit from having played without Clay last year. Um, mm-hmm. to where now they know what this is. It seemed like they started to hit a stride last year where Steph just went crazy at the end of last season. And so I think if he's picking up where he left off, it makes a lot of sense, but there's going to be a little bit of a transition when Clay comes back um, to make sure that that works and that that fits and that you've got a place for him. Uh, and who knows, maybe it amplifies Steph even more, but I just imagine it's different more than anything. It will have been so long since they played together um, that I think it'll probably take a little bit of time, but no, I, I feel good about the Clippers, and I, I wasn't surprised at all that they held their own. wasn't surprised that they had a chance to win in the last couple seconds. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. 
There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Okay, I want to. You, you mentioned um, the Lakers a little bit. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I'm thinking about the Lakers. I'm sorry. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I don't tune you out, Chris. I listen to every word that you say. But I, uh-huh. I had, I know that we're uh, we're about to talk about the Lakers, and my brain was wandering towards it because there's a lot to get to, a lot to unpack here. Um, they obviously lost uh, their season opener against the Warriors, and uh, despite LeBron. Just uh, looking like a superhero. Um, AD looking like a just an absolute monster. Godzilla. He was unstoppable. Um, Russell Westbrook, the guy who we, you know, we've been questioning all offseason since they made that acquisition, since they made that trade, whether or not it was the smart thing to do. He goes four for 13, eight points. He's minus 23. He was bad. He was. He was very. Was very there bad. even anybody else in double digits as far as being like a negative? Like I, I remember looking at the box score and seeing the minus twenty three, and it jumped out at me like it was somebody hiding behind a corner. Like it was just <laughs> insane how how it bad Mike, it was. Michael plus Myers, Myers was yeah. M- I, I had a Michael Can Myers I- reference in my story the other day. Go ahead. <laughs> That's why you're the king. Uh, Malik Monk uh, finished minus ten, but nothing. Like nothing else <laughs> exactly. Was really it was like barely. So he barely finished in a, a double-digit negative, and then you've got Russ that comes through like Kool Aid Man. Anyway, <laughs> so I guess like the 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 question that I have from this, and and this is one game. Okay, they won't look. The Lakers will not look this bad the entire season. They just they just won't. Um, they did not have. Trevor Ariza, they did not have Taylor Horton Tucker, they didn't have some important pieces and I mean you could argue that that's kind of their fatal flaw and I will argue that if you need Trevor Ariza to make your roster seem whole then you've done a really bad job constructing a roster but my question right now is just if you were Frank Vogel what would you do about the Russell Westbrook kind of like conundrum that you're in? We all saw the issues that we knew that were very predictable offensively and, and uh, especially just like what what would you do with Russ here like how how would you play him differently who would you play him differently with would you say hey Russ we just need you to be like yourself we need you to be the guy who just seeks out the triple doubles and just wreaks havoc on a basketball game or we need you to really find a role as a aptly a role player on this team and do damage that way or like i just don't i don't know what the what the solution is here his is here if you're frank vogel what would you do if you were him you actually laid it out you, you haven't said it quite as directly as i'm going to say it at some point I, I i really hope that he ends up being their sixth man i mean i, I really think that and um it's i mean it sounds drastic it probably is it's why I don't think you needed to make the trade because it's the best role for him. You and I have already talked about the idea that he's not 
a traditional third star. I mean, he's not nothing traditional about Russ anyway, but he's not mm-hmm. a traditional third star in the sense that you think of third star with the the big supernova teams, the Warriors when they had KD and Steph, and you've got Clay, uh, Ray Allen. We've talked about Chris Bosh. We've talked about these are guys that can hurt you in some way when you leave them open. That you're gonna have guys racing to the three point line after they realize, oh shit, I've I've doubled AD, so now I've got to come off AD to go stop this guy from shooting because he's wide open. You would normally want to leave Russell open anyway. So it's not really something that the defense has to adjust to because that's what they want to do anyway. And we've talked about the idea that Russ isn't setting screens. We've talked about the idea that Russ doesn't cut off the ball. So that's the problem in some ways. And this was the problem I always had with this is that he can't make you pay for leaving him open the way that a lot of these other guys could. So, you know, the other problem is that every moment he has the ball is a moment that LeBron doesn't, even though LeBron is fantastic with the ball in his hands, as we see even at his age. So is it really worth playing them together a whole, whole lot if it means LeBron and AD are going to be standing there? Uh, At least with AD, you can run a pick and roll with him or a pick and pop or whatever. I guess you could do that with LeBron as well. But I don't know that it's the best use of their ability when you could just have LeBron and AD doing that together. So inherently, it kind of comes down to the idea of either Russ getting better as a shooter, Russ moving more off the ball, which he's had a lot of years to do both of those things, which means to me, in order to let Russ be Russ truly, is to have him come off the bench and at some point be your sixth man and just say, really dominate the crap out of the game in the moments where AD and LeBron aren't out there. Um, it also gets simplified if one of those two gets hurt and then you would need him to do that anyway, just to kind of stay afloat, uh, without one of those people there. But short of that happening, I don't like his fit on this team. I've said that. I mean, it doesn't mean they they can't win a title. They're capable. It just doesn't seem like an obvious fit to me. And one of the most obvious ways you could try to make him fit is to say, we're not going to box you in by saying you can or can't do this or this. Just play with the second unit where we'll need the scoring and we'll we'll sprinkle you in with AD and with LeBron at times. I mean, that, but the ego won't allow that to happen. I don't think that the Lakers would ask that to be the case. I don't think LeBron and AD would want that to be the case. Like, I think that star players have blinders on as far as fit a lot of times. I just think that they see, they know that Russ is a great player and he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's just, it's just a simplistic way, I think, of, guys thinking about this you just put guys together and it works and i immediately think of the steve nash dwight howard uh cover from from us where it's just like it seems great in theory but you know and maybe that would have worked had those guys been healthy but it just a lot of times if you the writing on the wall that we saw before already looked really scribbly and uh this is scribbles this is like second grader scribbles (laughs) my analogies are on point today bro they're they're, so good kool-aid man my god man uh, the great Paul Pierce, the truth, top 75 team member, actually made that comparison recently, um, saying that the Lakers, after their loss, reminded him of the the Carl Malone. Actually, yeah, not not the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, the Carl Malone, Gary that Payton one too. Um, Lakers, which were expected to be this juggernaut to just roll through. And, of course, they lost to uh, the Detroit Pistons in the 2004 finals. Um I'm not ready to go to putting Russ on the bench yet, but... Not yet. I, yeah. No, but I agree. Look, like... And I think when they made the trade, my first question was, okay, who, what's going to be the closing lineup? And when you ask that question to people, they say, AD, LeBron, Russ, and... And I'm always like, okay, wait, stop. 
like why are we just throwing Russ into this? Like I don't I don't understand that at all. I think that you need to it's AD, it's LeBron at the the 5 and the 4. And then there's other players around who uh might make more sense. And right now like I look at Avery Bradley, he just makes so much more sense in the starting lineup than Russell Westbrook does. Like so much more sense. Um but before they, you know, they they kind of give up on uh they have that in the bag if they need to go there. Before they give up on it entirely, like we didn't see any of the stuff that they need to do to be successful. Like Russ did not I'll just say real quick, I'll make a quick comparison. Eric Bledsoe last night, obviously not a great shooter by any stretch, right? Um they had him screening for Paul George like down the stretch of that game, earlier in that game, um, bringing Steph Curry into the screen and then slipping it, getting into f- to four-on-three situations a la Bruce Brown, small, small screen actions. Russ didn't set a single ball screen in that game. Shocker. It's like, it's like what? that's what you need to do. When LeBron drives, when... Um, whoever else on the team can even put the ball on the deck and go to the hole. Like Russ needs to, to cut to the basket. Russ needs to make himself available. Him standing in the, the, the weak side corner waiting for spot ups. That's just not sustainable at all. I mean, um, maybe, maybe that's what Vogel does is, is, you know, somebody has a, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment with Russ and sits down with them and says like, you've got to do these things. Otherwise it's not working. But when you're, if and when you get to that point in your first season with somebody on the team, you should have already been planning to do that before to make this work. Because, I mean, That's I'm training not, camps for That's like what you, for. you, you and I are, you know, I think we're both smart people as it relates to just caring about the sport and watching and watching for adjustments and stuff. But if we all knew this, this is why a lot of us were stunned that they made the trade and traded their depth for Russ in the first place. I, I didn't understand it. Because unless you fix those things, this was how it was going to look. It's game one, but it I expect this to be a, a consistent recurring problem. If um you know, and Russ will shoot better and play better, but some of the stuff, you know, is just the way he plays and it's just the way he is, and we've known that for a long time. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Yeah, okay, let's let's open up the mailbag real quick. Um, I have an email from, from Riley who writes, I have been an open floor listener from Western Australia for about two years now, and this is my first time writing in. As a Knicks fan, this season may be the most exciting one the franchise has seen in recent memory. With the additions of Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, as well as bringing back our core, the Knicks are in a really good position to make a playoff run. My question today is simply, what are your expectations for the Knicks, and in particular, are Jay Barrett and Julius Randle's progressions? Also, how high-slash-far do you see them going in the playoffs? As a 14-year-old, I would like to see a championship brought back to New York. So what is your advice to get us there? Cheers from Riley. Riley, thank you so much. This was such a nice email. Um, we've talked a lot about the Knicks, and we did in our in our um, Eastern uh, potluck, I forget what that was called, <laughs> the NBA season preview extravagant, whatever it was. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and who did listen to that over on the crossover, which you should subscribe to, by the way. But anyway, we've talked a lot about the Knicks. Um, the Knicks beat my Celtics in a ridiculous basketball game on Wednesday night. That was like one of the more enjoyable games. Um, obviously I could make the joke that I've seen in months, but it was, it was legitimately enjoyable and an absolutely wild end of regulation that happens like once a season with the, the flubs that the Knicks had, but they were able to pull it out. Um, Chris, I know you're higher on the Knicks than I am. Um, what did you see in in that one that caught your eye? Um, I mean, Obi Toppin was he might be a player this season. I, like I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's really interesting and, and and fun to unpack. So what did you see when you watched the Knicks? He's he's looked good even since preseason. I think um, since the beginning of preseason, where I remember we were messaging or texting. I think you, me, and Rohan. I think about mm-hmm. a, a a move that he pulled off in the preseason. I was like, where did that come from? And uh, so, I mean, that's something that I really hadn't factored in much is if, if some of their younger guys make jumps. Because um, even if you just take that team from last year and bring them back and add the pieces that you added, like this is kind of what I expected. Um, maybe not the crazy two-overtime ending, but just the idea that they look more capable on offense. And and we have not talked about this, but you know, Randall, it might take him a while to get comfortable just giving the ball up. I mean, he's a, a good enough passer, almost had a triple-double, so it's not – to say that he's not passing or he's being selfish, but he has moments where it's like he just kind of, as the franchise player of the team seemingly, just like that he's supposed to take the game-ending shots and supposed to take these tough shots that some of the shots look just as tough, if not tougher, than the ones he was thriving on last year. And I'm like, but you have Kimba there, and you've got Fournier there, and that's why you shouldn't have to take those. So it might take him a while to just get used to kind of giving the ball up in those spots. 
the moment that he finally did and that they set a screen and you know it wasn't just a straight iso i want to say fournier got a three out of it that very same possession towards the end of the game and i was like that's what this is supposed to look like so fournier had a big game wasn't really that surprising to me though because this is what i think you were hoping for is that you have a little bit more offensive creativity and you know whether or not it results in more wins in the regular season doesn't matter you just hope that it gives you more of a window to do something in the playoffs and that's that's kind of how they looked i mean not i don't take anything from that game in particular uh where jalen brown coming straight off covid he has 46 and to- totally Tatum misses every shot so- yeah <laughs> i mean it was like a weird game and then they're 24 point flurry within two minutes uh between both teams where they're making every single three and then exhausted themselves and neither team scored for the last three minutes of an overtime. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a wild game. So I don't take anything from the game, but that's kind of what I expected these Knicks to look like. And shout out to uh, Riley, by the way, a Knicks fan, big named Riley. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Western Australia. Um, <laughs> um, I was DMing with uh, the ringers, Dan Devine the other day after the shout game. Shout out to Dan. Shout out to Dan, who's just like rubbing the win in my face, and I, I didn't appreciate that. But we were talking about Randall because I'm a Randall skeptic. I'm a Randall. I'm a, I'm a skeptic of his shooting from last season. His shot quality in that game the other night was atrocious. Like he just takes contested, really difficult shots. They're not like he'll get down, he'll bully you, and get into the paint and go turn over his right shoulder, and that's like his bread and butter and. I think the mid-range is okay, but like the step-back threes, the the turnarounds on the baseline with the hand in his face, like these are the shots that are, were falling and did fall last year to his credit, and it continued to happen. And I was just send him something, a note that I was just like, I, I, you might just have to like double Julius Randle, um, like repeatedly. That might be the strategy with this guy, uh, like because he was like massacring the Celtics until they put Rob Williams on him. And Rob, there's not, every team doesn't have a Rob Williams to throw, like the combination of lateral quickness and length and um, athleticism uh, and strength. Not every team has that. So I'm I'm really curious to see just how everybody else kind of deals with Julius Randle when he has the spacing, when he has Evan Fournier beside him. If Toppin continues to play this well, which I don't know how his minutes are going to be impacted by Taj Gibson and Erlens Noel coming back, knowing who his coach is and what his coach values. But, you know, the Knicks, they're, if they stay healthy, and, and Derek Rose played absolutely atrocious in that game also, and I think he's capable of better basketball for sure. Um, they could be, you know, I'm not really going out of, I'm not going to change everything, how I feel about them entirely off of one game, one very weird game. Uh, but Randall, I, I think I should probably respect just a little bit more than I have. I'll say that. Um, okay, so I have a little bit of a, a an exercise now for you, Chris. Um, I gave you a task. I gave you some homework, and we'll close on this. Um, I wanted you to just pick a player and pick a team that have just caught your eye for whatever reason. Hopefully someone that we have not, or a team or a player that we have not discussed already. Um, do you want me to go first uh, with either a player or a team that I just want you to kind first. of... Okay. Uh, is that because you didn't do the homework assignment and you're about to do it last It's last because minute. I've got and, four answers, so it'll help. Okay. It, it just, it'll help to hear yours first, so I won't double up on anybody. Go ahead. I'll, I'll okay, narrow it down to one by the time we finish. Beautiful. 
Uh, the player I want to talk about is LaMelo Ball. I don't know if you saw the Hornets Pacers, Woo! which was a great game. Very fun. Um, but the, the particular, like, uh, like LaMelo stat line, I don't really need to recite it here. It was, it was terrific. It was like 31 points, something, you know, he was just nearing, nearing a triple double, one of the best games of his career in the, in the season debut. But one of the things that really, just really caught my eye and was mentioned on the broadcast was his three point shooting. He was seven for nine from deep, but the shots he was taking and how he was taking them were a little bit different from his rookie season where, I mean, he was, there were step backs, there were um, quick pull-ups whenever a defender went under a screen, he was pulling up from deep, regardless of how the defense was guarding the screen. If he caught it, um, you know, uh, like he launched a couple 30 footers just off the catch uh, with no hesitation. I think that LaMelo, and I don't want to get too hyperbolic, too crazy. Like, I would be surprised if this guy did not make the all star team this season. I think he's, he's just such a special talent. I'm not saying he's going to shoot seven for nine from deep in every game. And frankly, in that game that the Hornets won, that squeaked out with a comeback. Uh, Gordon Hayward was the man with the ball, the man making all the decisions down the stretch, which kind of tells you something about just the um, the pecking order of that team right now. I think that could change easily in like a month based on everything LaMelo did. And also Terry Rozier didn't play. So you got to factor that in too. But LaMelo, he's just a joy. He's one of, I think, one of my five favorite players to watch right now in the league. And if he can, you know, he wasn't super efficient from the floor, but if he can um, become an efficient scorer, if he can combine just the absolute wizardry passing and vision with, you know, finishing on drives a little bit more, making some better decisions. Like I don't know where this Hornets team goes over the next few years, but it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, no, it was a great pick. I actually had him further up in my notes. Um, we were just going to say kind of who impressed us um, over the first couple games. I mean, he he was probably the first person that stood out to me he wasn't going to be my answer here um i'm actually gonna go for now with will barton um wow. just from the standpoint just Love from it. the standpoint of i mean it's been honestly when i think about i i, I had a moment yesterday where i like uh, i wanted to check what everybody else in our group said from sports illustrated about who we think will make the finals and i can't remember if it was two or three of our five main NBA writers that picked the Nuggets, it was at least two. And I'm like, the Denver Nuggets? Like, the, the, the ones that Jokic play for that like don't have their <laughs> borderline all-star point guard? Okay, interesting. Um, and I think, you know, granted, I think we all, it's not to knock anybody, I think we all are trying to make a pick that's kind of interesting or intriguing in some way. And so, you know, I picked the Bucks and the Jazz. Like, the Bucks are not a sexy pick for the finals because maybe they are because a lot of people think the Nets will get there. But anyway, I was trying to figure out like, what am I missing on the nuggets that everybody else is picking up on, especially if Murray may not be back. Um, this is one of the things I fell asleep on. Barton's kind of been out for so long. Even when mm -hmm. he's come back, it's been for a game here or there. Cause he's been hurt so much. Um, if that dude's healthy, um, you know, you can use him a little bit. It's not say he's a total replacement for Murray. It certainly isn't. But, I mean, you can certainly have him on the ball and distributing and certainly getting by people. And if he's healthy, 
it just stood out to me in a way where I'm like, I kind of forgot about this dude. He's super talented. He's been around for a long time. He fits that rotation very well. It's certainly something they need. Uh, we were talking the other day on our crossover podcast about the fact that, you know, Michael Porter really doesn't create a whole lot for other people. Barton can and Barton does. So, I mean, it's it's, it's just an interesting thing to watch. Like, if he has a great season for them, that does up their level and kind of raise their ceiling, I think, uh, even if Murray's out. If he's not going to be much of a difference maker, uh, you know, I don't think that there's much to be said for Denver unless you just think Jokic just goes supernova the whole season and Michael Porter is just an incredible star role player for them. Um, and Gordon takes a step. I mean, it's possible, but I just think that answers the question a lot more easily if Barton can do it and kind of take step up and take a lot of that brunt for uh, what Murray won't be able to do, not being in the rotation. Barton is super overlooked in general. Like, I, I overlook him. Whenever I think about the Denver Nuggets, I never think about Will Barton. And he's been gone for so long, I, I, man. I, he and he he just seems like perpetually in the. He wasn't in the bubble, right? I'm trying to think in my, if my memory serves. No, they kept hurt. hoping that he would come back, but, but no, right. he it, wasn't. He didn't I, play. I think that 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 contributes to it a little bit with me because that was when they had their real breakout run. I think sure. Um, but yeah, he's like a very just like quality NBA wing, um, and. When you just look at the five-man lineup of Monte Morris, um, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, that has a lot of like just just vision and selflessness. Beyond, I'm not obviously there's one guy <laughs> that isn't really included there, but if you can get away <laughs> with just having having one guy who's who's kind of a little bit of a black hole, if that guy is you know his true shooting percentage is going to be like 65, right? So, uh, I, yeah, that it does kind of change the calculus when you kind of factor him in a little bit. And I, you can also have him be like your guy who can carry you for, you know, two, three minutes, um, offensively, who can just get buckets without anyone setting him up. I think that that skill is, is very valuable in any situation, particularly when Jokic is on the bench, obviously. Um, so that's, that's a really interesting, interesting player to to shout out and i mean he's integral to like i guess the championship race you could say i don't think the nuggets are gonna go that far personally but they could like who's to say that that they won't like their offense could be freaking historic um so that's really interesting um the uh, so the other end of the spectrum a little bit uh the team i want to talk about is real quick the cleveland cavaliers I don't know if you caught the Cavs uh, Grizzlies game. I did not see it. Uh, no, I wanted to watch it because I saw I saw a couple Jaw highlights, and I was like, I just have to watch this game. Like Jaw just draws me in. He is intoxicating everything that he does. Um, and in those highlights, you see the other teams' lineups, and you're just like, what is happening? Like, what year is it? It'd be like, it's like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Laurie Markkinen, or Laurie Markkinen, Kevin Love, Jared Allen, with like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, or Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland. Like, 
just really weird stuff that doesn't make a ton of sense. And I, I, the more you watch Evan Mobley, the more you're like, because I didn't watch him in college at all, the more you're like, okay, I kind of get what J.B. Bickerstaff is going here by playing these jumbo lineups because Evan Mobley is going to be able to be one of those guys who can literally do anything on a basketball court. That's just, you can already see it in his, in his debut. You just got that sense from the jump. So if you have him and Jared Allen, who I think is more mobile than people think on the defensive end, then maybe you can get away with Lowry Markin in, um, at the three guarding. You can have Mobley guard wings and you can have Markin in guard four, stretch fours who are, um, not that threatening, but of course, uh, John Morant is, against a team that has John Morant. That's just not the deal. Um, and he just like hunted Kevin Love. He hunted Larry Markin in, in all those minutes. Um, I'm just fascinated to see how long this experiment lasts. Frankly, like yeah. playing these huge lineups that. Like, Lowry never made sense there in the first place for me. And I, I'm looking nope. at, like, Isaac Okoro, and I'm like, you're not going to start Isaac Okoro? Like, nope. It, this it, dude, it, you I'm, just I'm, I'm not, this lottery pick? I'm not fascinated by it because it just looks like a, a car crash to me. And I, <laughs> most people turn and want to look at one, and I want to turn away. I don't want to see the carnage. <laughs> you know, just, I see carnage. I see. You're, strong, the, the, you're stronger the, than I the, am, Chris. The champagne-colored whatever color on their jerseys that they wear sometimes. I see that color coming out of the car, and I don't want to see the accident. I don't want to look. Don't want it. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, give give me give me your team because I'm already exhausted talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, I I, I guess it's the Heat. Um, and I'll, I'll say this in closing because I know we're running out of time. I I just thought it didn't matter that much because the Bucks had so many people out. But uh, you know, Tyler Hero looked really good, and you know, that team just. They've got enough guys on that team can swarm around defensively. Lowry's there, which I guess he's not really a swarming sort of guy. He's small, but him, Butler, Adebayo, obviously. Um, but having Lowry, who is a good defender with that group, and Hero, if it frees him up off the ball to be able to do more, you know, the way that he kind of went off yesterday, it just it, they have the potential to be scary. They need to be healthy. They need a lot of things to go right. I'm not in total love with their depth yet, but the potential is there. And... Um, you know the idea that Lowry only made one basket yesterday, and they they won the way they did. Now, granted, again, the Bucks had a lot of people out, so you can't take too much from it. But I just think if Hero, and I think you've said this, that Hero has a bounce back year, had a pretty bad second season. If he has a bounce back year, I mean, they have a chance to be scary with Lowry. Um, He's huge, and just with other yep. guys, Adebayo, the step he could take, and uh, so you know, I, I I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. I like that that pick. I did not watch the entire Bucks. Heat Good. game because of the score. <laughs> I I watched the first quarter though, and um, Max Struess looks like he's just going to be. He looks like Joe Harris, like a little. I don't know if that, he's that good. He can shoot the ball that well, but just as someone, I think on his first touch, it was like a pump and go and one at the rim. Like, hey, if you're that respected from outside and you can put it on the deck, then you're going to make money in the NBA right now. That's just kind of what it is. So to add another guy like that to their rotation, it just like is unfair them finding these these players. Um, but but yeah, uh, I did have I did write in my notes on the very first play, PJ Tucker just hard fouling Giannis, um, <laughs> leaving his feet just late in a rotation, and he just hammered him. Uh, I PJ Tucker is such an icon. I love it. He's he's so upset that they let him go and. 
I'm sure he's living his best life in Miami and he's he's fine there. I think they probably view themselves as a contender and um they should. I think that that's their ceiling. But uh it's a bummer not to be wanted after you were like kind of the cultural ingredient that they were missing and then you win a championship. So I saw that foul and I was like, "Yep, that's I know why that happened." Um so that was that was fun. Did you watch that entire game? No, hell no. I, I mean, I have other stuff to watch. <laughs> I've watched plenty of basketball. I don't need to watch 40-point games. I'm good. <laughs> Shout out to you, Chris. Um, okay, I think that's where we're going to wrap up. Uh, the NBA is back. That's wonderful. Um, we'll be back also uh, next week with a couple episodes. Uh, thank you so much to everyone for for tuning in throughout the off season. We're so glad that basketball games are actually on and we don't have to talk about things that have nothing to do with the game that we love. Um, So until then, everybody, uh, well, first of all, a quick reminder before I forget, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming in. They're all wonderful. Um, But until next time, everybody, please stay safe and please continue to enjoy the NBA season. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at- 